welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, starring Jerry Springer, along with Gene Galvin and me. I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. My daddy came Here he is, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Jerry Springer. Yours, yours say here he is. Were you looking for me? No, no one was looking. And yet you show up every week. Yeah. <laughs> no one was looking. Kind of the reaction I usually get. Well, here uh, he's here again. Hey, Gene. Hey, 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 by the way, uh, Jerry. In a few minutes, we'll talk about Jared Kushner. I mean, why not? He's being talked about by a lot of people. Yeah. And we're get, we have Tim Easton yeah. from Nashville, who is with us tonight, and we look forward to Tim Easton. So that all sounds kind of chipper and optimistic and happy, and yet I have to, uh, this is one I was directed to read on the air, because sometimes I'll, what, this is from corporate, email? it's an email from corporate. From corporate. And often they'll say, I, I don't read these ahead of time, this one Because I why did. would you prep for anything? No, be weird. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's part of why they're on me a lot. Megan, I'm on, they're on, and by the way, Megan Hills, let's hear it for Megan Hills, by the way. <laughs> And her company, Proactive, Proactive Safety Services. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, she used to work for a company that said, if you ever mention our name, oh, you're fired that on really the spot. Is the company that really is, for, yeah, that is. Proactive Safety this Services. What kind of company would let you <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> say that you work with me? They, they like you. I know, it's yeah. weird. I need to look that? at other, yeah. <laughs> seriously look at other job situations. This but is not reputable. Proactive Safety Services. Anyway, <laughs> yes. we got this email, because actually I think this is directed to people other than me. Dear Mr. Galvin, and, and I'm as, as the executive producer, Megan, I have to kind of carry this on my shoulders. So you a lot. shoulder the weight of all uh, of this. What is corporate? What is corporate? It's the people we report to. But anyway, oh, this says. Okay. <laughs> dear, this just now happened for him. He had no idea. <laughs> dear Mr. Galvin, who de- whose idea was it to form a company to provide personal eulogies during a time of intense oh. grief for people you don't even know? This is misguided, unprofessional podcasting, and it coarsens the culture. Hmm. Immediately stop these ads. What, the eulogies are us ads? That was yeah. the better one that we had, though. Yeah. <laughs> Out of everything, that's the one we David, can't David, do run. you have that? <laughs> do we do. Have to, because this is I, so that people aren't confused. Like, yeah, what are we in commercial. trouble? We are in trouble. Make no mistake. What? Here's what we're in trouble for, <laughs> so this ad. Because of that, let's play it again. Yeah. Are you planning a funeral for a loved one and fear it will end up being morose and lifeless? Are you worried people there will judge you for making it pretty much forgettable? Then let Eulogies or Us provide the perfect balance between respect and entertainment. Hey, I'm Jerry Springer, and I've made talking a career. And I'm Megan Hills, a trained actress. I've played Lady Macbeth, Stella, even Britney Spears. And I'm Gene Galvin, the creator of the Ludlow City Bus Company and the newest comedy sensation, The Elevator Comics. And we can be hired to deliver a tender, memorable eulogy for your loved one in person at your church synagogue or even your neighborhood bar oh and i can show deep pathos watch this <clears throat> she was a dear woman that we all love i i just don't know how we're gonna go on without her <laughs> and i can give a final thought <clears throat> old tommy lying here well 
guess it was a few months before he died, he was telling me about this new hearing aid he had. And he was so proud of it. He said, Jerry, this is the finest hearing aid money can buy. I said, yeah, what kind is it? He said, four o'clock. And I can even sing mine. Poor Judd is dead. A candle lights his head. He's lying in a coffin made of wood. The steps are simple. You email us some talking points. We drop them into our digital eulogy template. And you say which one of us you want to come. And we'll be there with bells on. Or maybe more like with organ music playing, which for a slight upcharge, we'll play from our cell phones. Eulogies are us, the latest craze in the world of fake news. I had Springer's pizza pie at my cousin Lester's wake. And he was hilarious. Best show I'd seen since I looked at Wayne Newton up there at the Indian Casino. Visit eulogiesareus.com or call 1-800-DEAD-GUY for consultation. Eulogies Are Us is brought to you by Six Feet Under Productions. <laughs> well, that began... I fail to see what could be offensive. Well, yeah. <laughs> Did anyone call us? Have we got any clients? Well, yeah, I guess have. you don't know until you die. Yeah. No, no, no. We're we're getting lots of calls. Why and people so I'm dying? E- yeah, and I'm excited Planning because this is a business that is working. And Sandra Riley is the person from corporate that said, "Stop these." Now that was interesting because then she has a second paragraph. So she said, "You know, whose idea was it to do blah blah blah?" And I immediately wrote back and said that my memory is it was your idea. <laughs> That's how I remembered it, man. Well, you would. That it was your idea. I never even heard of this. That was your voice. Pretty sure, though, I was just reading what you put in front of me. All right, second paragraph says... God love you. Whose idea was it to provide a vital community service allowing listeners to ask everyday questions of a lifeguard? That was your idea, too. That is podcasting (laughs) at its best. Make... Make that segment a regular element of your show. The guy who now, didn't know zinc oxide my, for the nose. Well, actually. That guy. A call came in. That was that guy. <laughs> okay. When that guy, so that guy is like a uh, lifeguard mm-hmm. and also a medievalist. He has a PhD a medieval in medieval literature. That's right. I remember yeah. that guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's very interesting. No, it isn't. So, <laughs> <laughs> the original copy of that email. I'm Nothing just saying. about that. That was interesting. <laughs> hey. But wait, I bet he's got a good segue. Do it. I could have come in two Watch minutes me. later. <laughs> why, don't, why don't you Watch introduce me, me now? So, Ask the Lifeguard. Yes. Oh, that makes me think of a segment we once did called Ask the Cuban Socialist. Look at that. That's oh, right. skill. Where we had yeah. Jesus Noguera from... Havana, Cuba, who called over a cell phone to us. We put him on the air, and people were able to ask him questions. And we knew, like, we met him. We met him. We went to Cuba last year. About a week with him. He was our tour guide. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Jesus is uh, coming to America, as they say. And I have beseeched him. Is Trump going to let him in? He's in. He got a visa. Oh, he got a visa. Finally, after many years of trying. Yeah. So my hope is he will come to Ludlow, Kentucky. Yes. And he will be here for a podcast that be so awesome. that in the flesh. He could sit here and answer a couple more questions. Yeah, ask the commie. Yeah. Ask the commie. Well, no, he's, he's, yeah, ask he's the a, Cuban socialist. Yeah. Yeah. Commie. Yeah, it made me think. <laughs> <laughs> and 
And that made me think. We're working on our titling a little bit more, Jerry. (laughs) That made me think of this, Jerry. Nothing makes you think. You were the mayor of Cincinnati, were you not, Jerry? Yes. And when you were the mayor of Cincinnati, you gave the key to the city of Cincinnati to a number of notable people. I would do that. Could you say some of those people that you gave the key to the city of Cincinnati to? Uh, Bruce Springsteen, the Eagles, Dolly Parton, whatever. In other words, I wanted to meet Bob Dylan, this is true. Bob Linda Dylan. Ronstadt. Yeah, Linda Ronstadt. I wanted to Eagles. meet because I was just thirty and or thirty something, thirty two, whatever. And you know, I loved these people, and I wanted to meet them. So I figured if I called their agents and said, "Hi, I'm the mayor of Cincinnati. We'd love you to." Uh, come to Cincinnati and do a concert. I'd like to present you with a key to the city. Well, for a key to the city, they came and they did concerts, and I got to meet all these people. We started running out of keys, I should tell you. <laughs> so towards the end of my term, I started giving out the combination. 24 to the right, 15 to the left. <laughs> I wish because we had that drummer there. Remember that? Yeah. I miss him. He helped. You need that rim shot. That rim shot. Yeah, no, but I, it is true. I gave out keys. But that's not the key. What is that, Gene? Megan, I'll pass it over to you. That wasn't the key. You can't to you, trusted. Megan. Yeah, don't trust you. Okay. That could be the key to Ludlow. Um, it looks like a key. It doesn't say Jerry Springer on it, though. What's no. it say? Mayor Charlie Lucan. Yes. Yeah. The key. City to the of Cincinnati. City he of Cincinnati. spent more money because the key I gave out was a little thing in a plastic. Is that true? That God's truth. <laughs> it wasn't that. He. That's where our money went. <laughs> My question is, why do you Plus, have a machine? Yeah, Good question, Megan. How did yeah. you get the key to the city? I know, Charlie. We've been hanging around together. Key. We've been mm-hmm. hanging around together for a long time, including yeah. the time period that you were the mayor of Cincinnati. Yes. I never got a key to the city. And for, for good reason. <laughs> yeah. Was your name Linda Ronstadt? So, yeah. No. <laughs> but if you can dress like her, well... Yeah. <laughs> wow. Or something, but not... A, <laughs> But anyway, I was uh, at some event, probably some labor event, because I was a member of organized labor back yes. in the day, and we're yeah. walking out afterwards, and Mayor Charlie Lucan, yes. we're, we're all, we're friends. Damn, Charlie. Charlie's a good friend, yeah. And uh, we, I, my car was near his, and he put something into the trunk of the car's briefcase or something, and I said, what the hell are all those? And he had a cardboard box full of these. What? He said, he said, hey, uh, that's an outrage. Just handing those out like business cards, He man. said, they're keys to the city. You want one? I said, yeah. And he said, here you go. And he just gave me a key to the city. There wasn't much ceremony. Lo- lots of pomp and circumstance Good. in, that, part. in that parking lot. You want one? Yeah. <laughs> so I got one. So uh, this is displayed proudly in my home in Ludlow, Kentucky. That you need to break I that shadow box to get it out. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. A little bit like, what, what do they call that? Uh, Kentucky Colonel? Kentucky Colonel. Yeah, this my dad's a oh, Kentucky I know Colonel. What, yeah. See, I didn't get a key. means about the... as much as that, right? Yep. <laughs> I didn't get a key to the city. But honestly, uh, several months ago, I got um, a certificate where Mayor Cranley of Cincinnati uh, named it Jerry Springer Day. I was going to say, really? do you have a day? Yeah, what, yeah. What it was, it? I was speaking at some charity event, and it, 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 but the thing was, I got it at ten thirty at night. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> so I got an hour and a half. You could, if you're going to give a guy a day, give it at least when the sun's up. So what is this officially? This is true. What is they the give it to date? me at the end of the dinner, and I said there was an hour and a half left. What good is this? That's a good point. I like that. Good point. No, no one idea. thinks of these things. Yeah. Um, All the problems. You don't you have, have any more of these, do you? Of the keys to the city? Did you hoard any? Twenty-seven to the right, fourteen <laughs> to the left. They probably changed it since I was there. Do you know who uh, Simon and Garfunkel are? 
They went to my high school. That's what I wanted to ask They graduated you actually about. two years ahead of me. So what are, you, what are your memories of Simon and Garfunkel? By the way, your high school, I had an occasion professionally in my job as an educator with Cincinnati yeah. Public Schools to visit Forest Hills High School. I remember. Which is where you went. Yeah. It had nothing to do with you or any, it just... Well, I then why a, did you go? Well, I had reasons. I had reasons. I was lo- visiting a program there that we yeah. replicated in Cincinnati, actually. And uh, it's a very cool high school. I mean, it's yeah. a bit... Still today, it's beautiful. Yeah. A big place. It has a lot of academic prowess and uh, yeah. pride, too. Yeah. So Simon and Garfunkel went to your high school and probably performed at some assemblies or anything. They did. Is that they, true? They performed at, at the, well, at the senior prom, but I didn't have a date, so I missed that performance. Uh, <laughs> but they, well, well, they, that's usually, right. yeah. Oh. Yeah. No, but no, it, what it is true is they, they had a hit record. Really? The name, I don't remember the name of the record, but their first hit record, uh, which made billboards top whatever, uh, was as Tom and Jerry, because they did not believe their real names are Simon and Garfunkel, but they did not believe that they could become popular with Jewish names like that. So they seriously, they put on the label Tom and Jerry. That was their first hit. They didn't become Simon and Garfunkel, I think, until the movie The Graduate. They then mm-hmm. decided, you know, I may have that ex- not exactly right, but it is true that their first record was Tom and Jerry for that reason. You yeah. could, you know, the agents would tell them you can't make it as Simon and Garfunkel. And frankly, back then, a lot of the famous entertainers we grew up with didn't use their real names, particularly if they were ethnic. Yeah. And, uh, you know, virtually everyone from my generation, whether it was Jack Benny or, you know, whoever, Bob Ho, any of them, they changed their, those aren't their real names. Were they? My name actually is, well, I guess you know, Maury Povich. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, just, Again, where is that I guy could, with the rim shot? And I try, to, I try to keep that quiet. But <laughs> My yeah. name is yeah. Maury Povich. So, uh, just, <laughs> Who else went to your high school? Anybody else famous? Oh, my God. Oh, what about Rodney yeah. Dangerfield? Oh, Rodney Dangerfield is, well, yeah, yeah. You did? Yeah, I met him yeah. at the Beverly Hills Hotel when I was like nine or 10. Wow. There was a, Je- Jeopardy was there. They were doing like Jeopardy. And so it was just us, my family, and Rodney Dangerfield at the pool. And the movie Ladybugs had just come out. That was the only reason I knew who he was, because he was in Ladybugs. This is absolutely <laughs> God's truth. I met him at the uh, Beverly Hills. Shut Park. up. I swear to God. My dad and he that talked really like weird. all afternoon. In the lobby. They had a couple and we were there with Katie, and, yeah. and we were you know, all excited. And, uh, just and you were talking Beverly Hills in L.A. Not yeah. the supper club down the street. That's yeah. no oh, longer oh, right. right. Yeah, tragically yeah. burned yeah. 30 years ago. Um, but, um, yeah, did he but go he to your did, school? Yeah, but years, you know, he was older. But we became kind of like friends towards the end of his life. In fact, in the beginning of our show, the TV show, in the first couple of years, we, you, now you can't be on the show if you're known. That's the rule. But yep. back then we had some celebrities on and he was on the show and we became pretty good friends. And in fact, I was asked by his wife to speak at his funeral. Which, I, I, wow. as it turned out, I couldn't do. But, but yeah, we so we became pretty good That's friends. Crazy. Did you ever interact with uh, Tom and Jerry, Simon and Garfunkel at all in high school? No, because they, they were, were two years ahead. ahead. Our high school had 
5,200 kids in it. And wow. it was only three grades, <laughs> wow. sophomore, junior, and senior in one building. My graduating class had 1,201. So, you wow. know, if you were student council president, it was like being mayor, you yeah. know, it was... Uh, were, you, yeah. were you student but council we president? Went, but that's true in a lot of big, I mean, the really big cities. We went on shifts if you, because it was only one building. So if you were a sophomore, you went from 12 to 5. If you were a junior, huh. you went from 9 to 2. And if you were huh. a senior, you went from 8 to 12 because the seniors would have afternoon jobs. But the, so we went to chef. So you, truthfully, you didn't know a lot of people. You had your circle of friends, and that was it. The school was like going to college. And yeah, that's amazing preparation for you because w we can picture when you were in high school that you were maybe not student council, but you were the person most likely to succeed to become a national celebrity. Oh yeah. Um, so you were well known. Obviously, <laughs> you were the person selected to, let's say, MC, <laughs> MC the talent show. Or this is how pathetic it was. I was like, I was about the shortest kid in the school. And when I graduated high school, this is true. When I graduated high school, I was 5'1". My Aww. dad was only 5'2", at his tallest. And I did all my growing in college and, and law school. I mean, I grew really late. And that was I mean, I would take a girl out on a date in college and by... The time I took her home at night, I kissed her on the forehead because I had grown. Right. <laughs> no, I was the shortest kid in high school. It just doesn't. I can't end. stand you. No, but it was. And the growth, your, your I, I was growing growth was so, because of drugs that you took in college. Oh, uh, 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 aspirin. Yes. And so, uh, but anyway, so I, so I was. I, I tell you that because I was very short and pretty insecure about it all and so I had my five friends of which you know actually yeah. and no so I go back to my high school reunion 20th year reunion not except for my five friends two of whom were there nobody I mean they knew they had heard of me and knew that I was now had been the mayor of Cincinnati that kind of stuff but that no one remembered me from high school zero and then there was this one girl who, uh, sadly, she had passed away by then, but not by then, but uh, later on. But she was, lit she was the most beautiful girl out of the 5,200 people. And she was, everybody loved Carol Moss. And she, the only time I ever spoke to her, well, she spoke to me. She, when she was walking down the hall, she said, excuse me. As she yeah. <laughs> that happened that, twice. That was it. <laughs> yeah. That was it. But she, and, and she was just, I mean, honestly, you're in high school, whatever, you know, and you're just staring at her. You want to be in her class. And she was just, even to this day, the high school picture, you say, she's drop dead gorgeous, okay? So now it's the high school reunion. Of course, she had no idea who I was. It's the high school reunion. And suddenly I see this beautiful woman standing over there. And I hadn't been thinking about her. Or I hadn't even thought about her. I'd probably forgotten. All of a sudden I look and I said, oh, my God, that's Carol Morse. And here I was. I was already a grown-up, happily married, everything, and a mayor of a city. I mean, I was a grown-up with a grown-up job. And I suddenly, I was going to go up to her, and I got nervous. I mean, I started Aww. to get, I mean, it was, <laughs> What? 
And I didn't know, my voice cracked. I didn't know what I would say to her. You know, and I went up there fumbling. I, uh, and I said, I'm Gerald. <laughs> Gerald? <laughs> Did you push your glasses And she was just as sweet as can be. Of course, had no memory, you know. But uh, so it's amazing. I don't know how we got. Oh, you asked if I was. No, I had no. I wasn't in a high school play. I wasn't. I mean, I did nothing in high school except go home. In the reunions. (laughs) The reunions that that you go to now, because you've probably been to reunions fairly recently, the last five years, ten years. And, well, we all... Our generation, we just did our 50th reunion yeah. recently. And uh, do people kind of wonder when they do see you, they know who you are now with the TV show. And, and there's a lot of speculation today, literally today, so today's the 30th of May, that you're running for the governor of Ohio. That just <laughs> seems to come up and come up and come <laughs> up. If I and, do anything politically, it'll be to run for mayor of Ludlow. There we go. Thank you. Whoa, you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. The mayor gave you the thumbs up. There we go. There you go. That's, that's two votes. And that, from off mic, that's Mayor Waite, who was the mayor of Ludlow. Exactly. And uh, Catfish Williams is yeah, look at that. the owner of the Folk School Coffee Parlor, and he's a city council member. And it's funny, I came in tonight because I was going to try to draw you into saying something like that, to pull you into the trap of announcing you're running for the mayor of Ludlow. And I was saying to Catfish, I think Springer could run. Oh, well, let's slow everything down now. We've been, you know, we got some other things going on. So I, I don't know if Catfish, yeah. you know, they got a lot of other ideas. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, he, so, Aww. no, Where's he didn't Catfish? say that. Catfish, look at him back there. Hey, um, <laughs> you know, speaking of politics... Makes me think of uh, Jared Kushner, who is the uh, son of the President Donald Trump. Son-in-law. Son-in-law. Son-in-law, yeah. pardon me. Well, there's a story. Then they could well, be on my show, show again. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> could be on because if he's his son, his son married his daughter. Wow. <laughs> Next on Springer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so, Yeah. I love that you like ma- you make yourself laugh at this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I have to. No one else does. So what's up with him? And what's your take on all that stuff? And maybe set it up for people. Because some people, a lot of people listen to this in the archive version, so they'll need context. But- yeah. Uh, by the time this is heard by people who aren't watching us live, you know, it, it, things will have changed. But where we stand at the moment that we're um, recording this is, uh, and it seemed to be at the time, this could finally be the game changer, uh, that this could be the thing which finally, some pundits were saying, topple the president will be the beginning of the end. Because Jared Kushner um, had, after Trump was elected, during the transition period, had arranged a meeting with the Russian ambassador at Trump Tower, a secret meeting. At that meeting was also Mike Flynn, who was then going to be the uh, national security advisor before he was, had to be fired, let go for lying. Those two had a secret meeting with the Russian ambassador where Jared Kushner suggested 
that they set up a back channel secret line of communication that would be run out of the Russian embassy or the Russian consulate in Washington, D.C. for the purpose of this secret communication. If it's run out of the Russian embassy, the U.S. government would not know about it. Hopefully they could keep that from the CIA or the FBI or the State Department or what have you. A secret back channel for some kind of communication with the Kremlin. If a regular citizen did this, well, that could be, it could be on the road to treason. I mean, you're, you're sending up, you're secretly, you know, having this line of communication with someone which is more than just our adversary. And this is what becomes critical. The first defense, when this story came out, and by the way, the Russian ambassador was then heard saying, because our um, intelligence services picked up the Russian phone call or the Russian communication, where the Russian ambassador said back to the Kremlin, this is really awkward, but he can't believe that the son-in-law of the president wants to have a secret communication with us being the Russians, and run it out of the Russian embassy, like we would obviously know everything. Well, this sounds kind of treasonous. Here's the deal. The first response that the White House has given, by the way, they did not deny that this meeting happened. You notice that? There's been no denial on this one. No, well, it's fake news. It never happened. Because if it didn't happen, something so serious you hold a press conference immediately and say, I swear under everything that is holy, never, ever, ever, ever did we have this meeting and never was that said, etc." But they're not saying it because they now realize it was taped or recorded. But the argument that the White House is giving, they're giving two reasons for that. The first thing they say is, first of all, back channels are legal. By themselves, they're legal and they're right. Our history is filled with administrations, with presidents having back channels to other governments. That is true. The most obvious one that comes to mind, because everyone's suddenly trying to relate Trump to Nixon, is, well, Henry Kissinger, the back channel they had when they didn't tell anyone that Kissinger was establishing a back channel because he wanted to get a meeting in China to have the United States recognize, at that time, Red China, Communist China, for the first time since 1949. So that was huge development. And there was a back channel to set that up. And frankly, became Nixon's greatest success in establishing decent relationships with a country that has a quarter of the world's population. The difference is, in all these examples that you can come up with of back channels of a president, you know, John Kennedy using Bobby Kennedy for the back channel during the Cuban Missile Crisis, the difference in this case was all those were done for a legitimate government purpose to establish, let's say, relations with China, which would be good for world peace. 
In other words, for some legitimate purpose that a president would have. In this one, you might be quick to say, well, maybe, which Trump would say, is I'm trying to establish, it was to establish better relationships with Russia because we want their help in, uh, in Syria. And we just want to have better relations. Sounds pretty good. The problem with that is, if you wanted to do that, number one, why did you need a back channel? And what was the rush? In one month, you would become president. Then you can have your ambassador, which you appoint, your secretary of state, which you appoint. You could have any private conversation with Putin you wanted to have. You didn't need to create a back channel for this. So the crime is not the creation of a back channel. It's the possibility of what this was set up for. Why did you have a need to create a back channel? There is no logic to it. That's what the issue is. And then you have to come up with, well, okay, if there's no legitimate government purpose, remember, in one month you were going to be president. You would have the say in who your representatives are. You could have any communication with Russia you wanted, with Putin that you wanted. Being head of foreign policy, you could establish any foreign policy you wanted, including better relations with Russia, as much as we may discuss that. That's a separate political issue. But you didn't need the back channel for that. So then you come with only two possible explanations. One is, well, Jared Kushner, he doesn't know anything about politics. He's a young kid, 30-something years old. What, what does he know about it? He made a stupid mistake. He left it off. He wasn't going to make it a secret. He just forgot to put it on the forms, the security forms you have to fill out in order to have a security clearance. He forgot to mention that he was meeting with the Russians. By the way, not putting it on the form can be a felony, a felony for up to five years, in, either five or ten years in jail. So that's serious, okay? That's the national security form that you fill out, and it's taken very seriously. Every single meeting you've had with a foreign government, you have to put down. And their answer is to that, well, he forgot, he's new. How? It is inconceivable to believe that you could forget that a week ago you met in a private meeting with the Russian ambassador and Michael Flynn in the room with you to set up a back secret back channel that you were going to operate out of the Russian embassy in Washington. You forgot that? That defies belief. It defies belief. So that can't possibly be the honest answer. The only conceivable answer to all of this, the establishing of a back channel and the failure to fill out the forms correctly, the only conceivable answer, you can't even create one if you were writing a movie, the only conceivable answer is they were trying to hide something. Something. Now, do you and I know exactly what it is? No, we don't. That's why there's an investigation. 
But the danger here is they're hiding something, something they don't want our own government to know about. And look at the consequences here. Trump obviously knew this meeting would take place. It's not conceivable to believe that Jared Kushner on his own with Michael Flynn sets up a meeting with the Russian ambassador after the election's only three weeks old and he's not yet president to set up this back channel and we'll operate it out of the embassy. You don't think Trump knew what he was doing? Of course he knew. So what you have here is he's setting this thing up and he's either two possibilities. Russia just attacked us. That makes this different from any other back channel as well. Russia had just attacked us, a cyber attack. Trump knew, as the rest of the world knows, that there's an investigation on this Russian cyber attack against America and possibly collusion for the election. So therefore, why, knowing that Russia, our cyber enemy, has attacked us, why set up a back channel with them when what is being investigated is whether you had collusion with the Russians? So what do you do? You set up a back channel so you two can collude and have a private conversation. That is collusion. That's exactly what it is. Who thought up this great strategy on their side? You're being investigated for collusion with the Russians so what do you do? You set up a back channel so you guys can collude. <laughs> it's insane. And that is why, before anybody jumps to let's impeach, we have to let this investigation go through because the whole answer to this, either way, we know it wasn't a crime, to set up a back channel. The only crime could be what they were trying to hide. That's what we got to find out. There'll be plenty of time to scream for a remedy afterwards. Now let the investigation go through. And one other thing, in the interim, I can't imagine what the explanation is for not having Jared Kushner's security clearance taken away. He's in the White House. He is talking to the Russians. He knows everything with his security clearance, which is top, obviously. He knows everything the American government is doing, what possible military plans we have, what we're going to do with China, everything. He can get hold of all this information, and we know he's talking to them. How can you not, even if you're the biggest Trump supporter, the biggest Republican, the greatest conservative, how can you not at least admit that until we find out exactly what it is that they're hiding, you cannot give this person the highest security clearance in the United States? It's in the White House the security clearance has to be pulled.
going to ask Tim Easton to come forward, and Tim... Uh, I accept this key on behalf... <laughs> I can't believe you get one. I don't one. know if you're worthy of that. Hey, by the way, uh, our dad was mayor of Norwood at the same time Jerry was mayor of Cincinnati. Yep. Nuh -uh. And the Whoa. keys were twice as big. <laughs> Whoa! Whoa! He gave me well a hard You sound just like Trump. <laughs> <laughs> they were, they huge. were huge. My key's bigger than yours. Huh? Very well played, David. By the way, Very that's, well uh, that's David Pruce, our technical yeah. producer, oh, who, yeah. who, in fact, his father yeah. was the mayor of Norwood, Ohio. Yeah. yeah. Same time Springer was, as he yeah. says, mayor of Cincinnati. With a bigger key. The only yeah, city within a city that I know of. City within a city? Norwood? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Hey, David, do you have any of these keys at home left over? Giant. Three giant. <laughs> yeah. He made his kitchen table out of his, Gene. Huge keys. <laughs> it's here for Tim Easton from yeah. Nashville, yeah. Tennessee. How you guys doing? Tim, do a song for us, uh, and I believe your first song was called Elmore James. Yeah. <laughs> being made in the world today And these drum machines all sound the same I think you hear a song Is it a song or is it just fun and games Call me old-fashioned or behind the times The one who got the money maker shaking all night Was Elmore James Elmore James Elmore James Elmore James Get a little sip of whiskey Put the lights down low Drop a clean needle on the stereo Grab her by the belt buckle Call out her name Give her a kiss Spin her around Soon she wanna go downtown To see Elmore James Elmore James Elmore James Elmore James
That's Tim Easton from Nashville, Tennessee. You can hear his music at timeaston.com, T-I-M-E-A-S-T-O-N.com. And uh, Tim, I heard you at a concert in the Cincinnati area, I guess on Saturday, and I heard you reference a trip that you're taking up to Alaska to do some performing, and then before the podcast, you were telling me you've been there like 15 times. This will be your 16th trip to Alaska. Yeah, I go up there every summer now, and uh... Uh, and I, I told you I go up there a bunch too. Right. So where do you go when you go up there? And I want to ask you specifically about this benefit you're doing. But where do you typically go when you're there? I go all over the place. Uh, I go, you know, my, you know, basically Fairbanks and Anchorage are where the gigs are. Yeah. And then there's, uh, you know, some some truck stop gigs and some small bar gigs. And uh, there's a festival up there that I go play. And I go to Homer. I go to the Kenai Peninsula. Yeah. I play a lot of house concerts. And then I go I go fishing in between. You know. Okay. And basically. you fish for what? Salmon, halibut, and then, you know, I go trout fishing as well. I just love it. I just kind of love the... You can the, get uh, it right here at Kroger's. <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> it just yeah. seems so it's, uh, it's, it's nice to get... It's nice to pull it out of the river sometimes. I don't, you know, I don't keep all the fish I catch up there, but I do go up there every year now and, and have been getting into it. And I also, I'll be teaching up there this year, teaching a, a songwriting uh, nice. seminar in, in Talkeetna. And that's a great place, Talkeetna. Yeah, yeah. Which is where... Uh, Northern Exposure, this cult kind of yeah. uh, sitcom, that, and it was uh, shot in Talkeetna. And Talkeetna is the staging town for the people who climb on Denali. That's right. So it's right. a climber's town, so it's like way too cool for school, all these climber types walking around and bush pilots, yeah. uh, dirt fields nearby. Yeah, I love those Alaskan people. I love their spirit. You know, you think about all the Americans that came over here from Europe. They, yep. they had spirit, you know, in them. And then the ones that went west had more spirit. And then the ones that end up in Alaska, there's some, they're, you know, there's either, they're either uh, on the escape uh, or, or just hit, or have a lot. Either way, they got a lot of spirit. There's when you were of, there, did you get to see Russia? Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I know it's it's a that bit will never die because no, it's just well, like so classically, you know, at that yeah. that is another kind of Alaska and she represents yeah. uh, another another Referring side of Alaska. Former governor you know? well, half term. It's like governor. the it's like the she served 2 years before the bluest red term. state there is. You know, cuz all my friends up there, I, I know plenty of hippies with guns, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like just yeah. ra- you too. know, people that are just kind of earthy people, but yeah. they also happen to, you know, go hunting and stuff like that and sure. and believe in freedom. Sure. Hey, um, on one of my trips, and I'm a backpacker, so I, that's what took me up there right. those 11 times. Uh, and I was flying into a backcountry setting, and somebody on a plane, on a bush plane, a fellow passenger right. I didn't know, started talking to, was a Native American young guy in his 20s, started talking to me about Pebble Mine. I'd never heard of it. Right. I'm like, what the hell is Pebble Mine? That's the biggest gold mine in the world uh, being created by this company from England, as I recall, in partnership with an American company, Canadian yeah. maybe, Canadian yeah. company. They're digging a big hole in the earth that would affect the rivers that feed us. About 60% of the world's salmon, the, the consumption, all the salmon, we about 60% of the whole world's salmon comes from that bay, that Bristol Bay area. And that specific mine would affect those rivers that would affect that salmon without a doubt. It's just the way it is. You know, that's why... We can't get salmon swimming up the East River anymore. You know, they do. <laughs> there's salmon in Scotland. There's salmon, you know, in, in many places in the world. But that, the majority of the, the salmon that we're getting, that we're eating in the world comes from there. And this mine definitely was, um, you know, we started a festival. Or a festival was started, and, and I believe Robert Redford's involved in, like, wow. the, the, the lower 48 kind of. You've probably seen some mail about it and just the different organizations that are there. But the festival called Salmon Fest 
that happens in in Anilchik every every year. And uh, this year it'll be Jewel will be the headliner. Sometimes Emmy Lou Harris. Wow. Um, and Jewel is from Alaska. Yeah, way she's back from right and, down the road there. Yeah. And there'll be a lot of people singing. Um, songs and Alaskan bands as well and it's a really great festival that so happens. when is Salmon Fest it's the first weekend of every August and it is an amazing festival to come up can and people out. hear Salmon Fest like on YouTube or yeah there's a there's a Facebook page and there's a there's a page for Salmon Fest uh, they have a, a media presence and uh, and, and you're performing that, in that I'm performing that I've performed in every one for six years now and the first couple were really about shutting down like raising awareness to shut down that mine or the you know and then so there was a a temporary um, shutdown that's been, you know, was put in place. It was pretty well beat back, yeah, particularly beat back, during the eight now, years of now, Obama. Uh, but certain, now with Trump, it's surging yeah, back. That's true. Again. It's surging back. Of so course, people yeah. need to. I'm, I'm so glad that you're that you we had a chance to talk to you about that, yeah. and thank you for your uh, service in that situation. But we have to have people know about Pebble Mine yeah. and to go online, find out about Pebble Mine, look for ways that you can either donate to it or to yeah. somehow even way down here in the Midwest. The, the fight lower. has been kicked back in, you know, the, yeah. the musicians to protect Bristol Bay and all of us need to protect Bristol Bay, especially if you eat salmon. You There's got no it. Way Headwaters it. Yeah. of uh, sockeye salmon yeah. uh, is what would be affected, as you say, 60%. Yeah. Hey, do a second song. This one's called Real Revolution. Yeah, this is a brand new song, brand new song for you. I had come undone I was feeling unsung Went back to my home state And got my bell real wrong I thought I knew where I was going Forgot where I came from I fell asleep on the job, people I needed solution I needed a real revolution My old way of thinking had me tied up and blind I was left out of direction, I was out of right mind Tired of backsliding, living in the past Tired of going absolutely nowhere fast All time spent looking over my shoulder is done I'm staring into the action of a real revolution I was afraid to think it I was afraid to do it I was afraid I might not even live through it Now I'm changing my name I'm learning to sing Most of all I'm changing mistakes in what I had said and done Yeah, fashion my new words into a gun for the real revolution Real revolution doesn't have to be the violent kind Real revolution takes place in your heart and in your mind Don't turn your back on it this time Turn 
under the light of the real revolution. Revolution doesn't have to be the violent kind. The real revolution takes place in your heart and in your mind. Don't turn your back on it this time. Turn and face the real revolution. from Nashville, Tennessee. You can hear his music at timeaston.com. That's That's outstanding. Take us out on Down by the Riverside, and Jerry Springer would be honored if he does a good job. I'm going to give him the key to Cincinnati. He's going to sing the second verse. That will cause a revolution. There it is, Jerry. There it is. Yeah, oh. That's just waiting for you. This you one's for this that. This, yeah. This one's the for the key. Eye on the prize. And I apologize <laughs> for the size of it, but we're just Cincinnati. We're we don't not, have to worry about the size, not David. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Here we go. Down by the riverside. Tim Easton, Jerry Springer. I'm going to lay down my heavy load. Down by the riverside. Down by the riverside. Down by the riverside, I'm gonna lay down my heavy load. Down by the riverside. You've been listening to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, recorded live at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. Thanks to Patrick Kennedy for writing our opening song, and to you for listening. Check out our website at jerryspringer.com. I ain't gonna study the world no more.